Here we go. It sure does spell tyranny, folks. Welcome. This is Pastor Eli James at Eurofolk Radio. December 25th, Christmas Day, as the pagan Christians celebrate it, right? And, uh, wow, it's amazing. Uh, And uh, looking up uh, websites about Christmas and the pagan origins of Christmas, Michael, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good. Here it's a bit frozen country yeah. in Sweden yeah, right yeah. now, so it's it's oh, yeah. below zero in degrees, so minus six degrees. Right, and that's Celsius, right? It's not Fahrenheit, so yeah, right. Well, we <laughs> I'm had not, I'm not sure about Fahrenheit. Right, we had minus eight Fahrenheit, which <laughs> is uh, thirty to forty degrees below freezing. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> And today it's only like eight eight degrees above you know zero here, so uh, it's it's starting to warm up. But it's balmy weather, folks. A nice thing about Great Britain is England. Uh, they have the Gulf Stream, which keeps England much warmer. And I guess uh, you you only get a little bit of that in uh, Sweden, in Norway, and you know etc. So you don't get that nice balmy Gulf Stream. It it, it shoots north toward the Arctic and then goes back. Uh, East, uh, sorry, west, goes back west, so Iceland may get a little bit of it. So, but today we're going to be talking about Christian Israel, the Saxons, the origin of the Saxons. Oh, let me just finish my thought. Uh, In doing research for the story about the pagan origins of Christmas, which we had two shows about that, uh, Yahweh's Covenant People and Last Night on Restoration Hour, uh, there's more and more websites exposing the fact that uh, Christmas is a pagan holiday, <laughs> and it wasn't just incorporated. In fact, here in America, it was never practiced until the mid-1800s. That's when the Catholics started moving into America. So, yeah, Mary, Mary. <laughs> yeah, Mary. Well, we should be honoring our Lord and Savior, Yahshua Messiah, every single day, Right. For most Christians in the world today, they don't give Jesus Christ a second thought until Christmas Day, right? So that's a really sad story, folks. Really sad story. But we in identity, we worship our Lord and Savior Yahshua every single day, and that's how it's supposed to be. So, yes, it's just another ordinary day for us. All right, so welcome, everybody, and let's get into it. We've got the two websites in uh, the chat room here, Hope of Israel Saxon origins. I'll just turn it over to you. This is this is, should be easy reading. So yeah, yeah. The scripture does not celebrate birthdays. That's correct, brother Aber. Yeah, there's no in- instruction to celebrate birthdays. It's always been a pagan thing. <laughs> All right. Okay. Take it. Thank you. So yes. the origin of the Saxons. Many seem to cannot believe the plan recorded of the ancient people who came to be British Israel. 
Um, they just can't seem to believe that these people could really have been descendants of Shem. We should notice the same tendency um, for critics of early um, Scotch-Irish history. They think the early history, which they can uh, call folklore, uh, of these peoples uh, cannot be true when it connects such peoples directly with the lands and peoples mentioned in the Bible. However, Alfred the Great, who was himself a Saxon, son of Isaac, traces his genealogy right back to Shem, or Shem, and on back to Adam. <coughs> so, this is by Raymond F. McNair. In our dogged search for the lost ten tribal Israel, uh, we came into contact with another ancient but important people of Northwest Europe. What is the name of that famous people? There is another name mentioned on the uh, Beishtun rock inscriptions, the name Saka in the Persian language, or according to Professor Ravelson, Sakhe in the Sushian language, Sakhe. Uh, in this name, Saka connected with the people of Israel. Uh, it certainly is. We are informed by the Bible that the uh, descendants of Israel were known as Israelites. Uh, the suffix uh, it means son of. The descendants of the twelve sons of Jacob were likewise called after the names uh, of the twelve patriarchal fathers. The sons of Levi were called Levites. The descendants of Benjamin were called Benjaminites. And the children of Dan were called Danites. And so on. Well, shouldn't the Saxons be called Saxonites then? <laughs> No, yeah, that doesn't apply. Be, yeah. yeah, but they didn't because uh, Saka, it's hard to put an ite after Saka. Oh, I suppose you could Sakaites or Saxites, but uh, it didn't work out that way. Uh, Saxons, Sakasuni, and we'll see that the word Sake uh, or uh, or Saka is the original form of Isaac with the I dropped. We'll find out why the I got dropped. It's a common thing in all languages to drop the, an initial uh, syllable, an initial uh, vowel from any name. Back to you. Yeah, and can it also be, as I said, this is from the patriarchal fathers, and uh, you add this I-T-E, but Saka or Saxons, it's not, that's not really maybe a patriarchal father behind it, but as you have, uh, yeah, Levites, uh, Judites, and right. other, they are patriarchal fathers behind those names. Yeah, it certainly applies to all 12 tribes, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And you can't, I guess, lump them together. And in Saxon, that's somewhere uh, you have, I guess, lumped in a lot of, uh, lot of tribes in the same names. Yes. That's okay. why you can't use the IT on that one. Just a thought. So, the so sons of Isaac. Um, where the descendants of Isaac never called after his name. And God said unto Abram, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the la lad, Ishmael, Abraham's firstborn son, and because uh, thy bondwoman in all that Sarah uh, uh, has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, because is Isaac that shall thy seed be called. Okay. Genesis 25:12. Yeah. Okay. So the bondwoman is Hagar, who was, for all intents and purposes, an Egyptian descended from Ham, which makes her a white woman. 
makes her a Noahite, okay? The Hamites were white people. They were not blacks, as many Judeo-Christians and Jews teach. They were not blacks. Uh, the rabbis teach that Ham, the curse of uh, Ham was to be turned black, <laughs> right? That's what they teach. And uh, absolutely insane teaching from the rabbis. But, of course, they have to make statements like that to, to confuse Scripture, all right? Because they don't believe in Scripture. They don't believe in Torah. They believe in the Talmud. So they do everything they possibly can to make Scripture look ridiculous. And that's what they've done here. So Hagar and her son was Ishmael and even the Arabs you know, of the current world admit that they are descended from Ishmael. But they were white. For longest, for many, actually hundreds, if not thousands of years, until they converted to Islam, when they started importing black slaves into Arabia, and that's that's how they became dark. Back to you. Yes, thank you. So notice also that this same statement is repeated twice in the New Testament. See Romans nine seven and Hebrews eleven eighteen. And I would change here the God name. So we say, why did Yahweh God? Yes. Uh, Solomon declares um, in three different places in the Bible that Abraham's seed would be called after the name of Isaac if he did not mean exactly what he said. Where and how in history were the progeny of Abraham and Isaac ever uh, called after the name of Isaac? The name Saxon, uh, Saxon, uh, Saka, uh, Suna, and the sons of Saka are all definitely referred to the sons of Isaac. Yeah, and so the, it's very obvious when, because the ten northern tribes, when they were taken captive by the Assyrians, and they f- forgot about their well, they never never practiced the law, okay, because they had become pagans. So these are these people are paganized. It's amazing they actually retained the name of Isaac through all of this paganism, right? It's amazing that they did, but they did. And this next uh, section proves it. Back to you. Yes, so the I has been dropped. It is quite common in uh, some languages to drop the initial syllable from a word. Dr. Um, Schrader points out that the uh, Assyrians dropped the I when they spoke of Israelites. Uh, also, it was quite common to sometimes add a new um, final syllable uh, to a name. Ahab is called by Shalmaneser II, um, Ahab Abu Sur Lai, i.e. Ahab of Israel. Very good. Inscription discovered uh, on the banks of the Tigris. Yeah. Okay, so also since they were paganized, they also became illiterate. Okay, whereas literacy was maintained by the house of Judah. So these Saxons, uh, they were very nomadic. They dwelt in tents, and that's another source for the word, uh, from the word Saxon, Sukkoth, meaning tents. Okay, they dwelt in tents and became nomads, had no formal writing, and they they were basically, uh, well, they became vagabonds and to some extent savages, but not like, you know, well, how do the Romans call them? Barbarians, right, right. They became barbarians, right? But uh, they were actually very civilized, even compared to the Romans. All right, back to you. 
Yeah, this is undoubtedly what has happened in regard to the I Saxon Saxons. The I has been dropped, and the basic part of the word Sach or Sach has been retained. Soon simply means son of. Um, so the word Saxons mean sons of Isaac or sons of Isaac. Later we shall uh, see uh, quote, uh, qu- quotations from Bible historical sources uh, proving that Saxon derives from sons of Sach or sons of Sach, meaning sons of Isaac. Okay, and uh, they, yeah, sorry to interrupt here again, but it's uh, since the uh, Saxons lost the art of writing that the names of the Saxons had to be written down by outside sources, such as uh, Diodorus and uh, the the Roman and Greek historians, and even uh, German historians uh, kept records of uh, what was going on with these Saxons, but the Saxons themselves did not. Okay, so this is part of the reason why those Israelites and Saxons lost their identity. Okay, as they wandered into Europe. Back to you. Yeah. So, in the days of the uh, judges, the Ephraimites could not sound the H in the word... Um, um, Shibboleth. Um, Shibboleth. <laughs> right. Okay, here, um, here, here let me... Uh, now, so, in other words, the sh, the SH sound. So, the Ephraim, what he's saying is the Ephraimites could not make the SH sound as in sh, as in she... I'm not sure that's the case. I think it's actually the TH sound at the end of the word shibboleth that had become the problem. It's even common for Irish and Celtic people today to be unable to pronounce the TH as in the. They say TEH is how they pronounce it. They don't pronounce it the like we Americans do, right? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so it could be either. But they had the difficulty pronouncing the word shibboleth, whether it's the first syllable or the last. Back to you. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, during a struggle between Israelites factions, the inability of the Ephraimites to pronounce the H um, cost many of them their lives. Speaking of fugitives, Ephraimites will read. Uh, then said they unto him, Say now, uh, uh, shibboleth. And he said, um, uh, Sibboleth. Uh, for he could not um, frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and slew him at the passage of Jordan, and there fell at the time of the Ephraimites forty and uh, two thousand. End of quote. Because they couldn't say the password correctly, right? <laughs> okay, there it is, folks. Get your passwords right. So that's Judges twelve six. Yes. Many many Hebrew speaking um, I don't know what to say here. Maybe we say Israelites, not Jews. Right, of course. Uh, uh, have difficult pronouncing their um, H uh, to this day. Why uh, do we all say Semitic instead of Shemitic? Um, it is not because of the H um, has been dropped in the word. It is quite common among many of the people of the British Isles, even today, to drop the initial letters in some words. This is especially true of the letter H, which is often dropped uh, by many English-speaking people who live in Great Britain. Yeah. Where did uh, I, uh, Ang Miath, uh, a Welsh friend of mine, uh, once asked, and a British uh, plumber told me one day that 
it was air which had stopped up the drain. Um, he had to repeat himself several times before I realized that he meant hair instead of air. Right. Okay, yeah, that's common in Britain to drop the H altogether. It's usually slang, but then slang becomes, you know, the standard verba, verbiage, right? Yeah. Do you want to read on some uh, some part? What's that? Do you want to read read some part? Oh, okay. Uh, I just got back onto the site. Where did you leave off? Uh, the Anglo-Saxons descendants of Shem. Okay. All right. Very good. Before we pursue further the derivation of the word sake, S-A-C-A-E, we will consider consider historical evidence proving that the Anglo-Saxon peoples have descended from Shem, which, of course, the Jews did not, although Esau did, but not, not his offspring, the Edomites. They did not descend from Shem. They were descended from the Kenites, and the uh, you know the Nachash people, Kenites being the sons of Cain, right? So, and we and Israel, uh, Israel identity have proven this over and over again. The Jews are not descended from Shem, and certainly the uh, Ashkenazi Jews are descended from Japheth and the Mongols and from the Turks through the Hittites, not from Shem either. Okay, so. Uh, we have to harp on these facts, ladies and gentlemen, because the Jews are still masquerading as Israel today, and those people in, in what I like to call Kykistan are not Israelites. No way are they Israelites. Continuing, we have already noted that License made this confession. This is a person, L-Y-S-O-N-S, not familiar with that person. Quote, I confess that but for the universal tradition which assigns our British descent to Japheth, I should have been rather inclined to attribute the British Celts to a Semitic origin, both on account of the relics of worship which we find in Britain, and also on account of the language, unquote, from his book, Our British Ancestors. License then showed that there are literally thousands of words in the English language which come from the Hebrew language. Yes, and we know this as well. He says, quote, Thus I propose to show that in the course of these pages, when we come to the relics of British worship remaining in the country, and remaining with little variation of corruption their aboriginal names, the remarkable similarity between those names and the Hebrew and the Chaldee languages, same book, our British ancestors. So we see, and why, why is the the British the primitive British Church called the religion of the Chaldees? Well, it's because they they go back to the Hebrews and the Chaldees. Abraham was a Chaldee, right? That's what he was, a Chaldean. Abraham was a Chaldean, although those people were were pagans also. That's why he he was told by Yahweh to leave the Chaldees and set up shop in Palestine because Yahweh was trying to accomplish two purposes. Number one, to get Abraham away from all this paganism, and number two, to ultimately take over Palestine from the Canaanites, okay, and the Kenites and all of those tribes that related to the fallen angels, okay? That's uh, Yahweh's twofold purpose there. So, but a lot of these 
Chaldeans actually went to Britain earlier. Now they were still, they were, they were Saxons. Really, they were they were Saxons who came to uh, Britain, and they retained all these names of Hebrew origin. That, that's what they did. But the spelling changed dramatically, as we'll find out here in the next sentence. He then points out that many of the old British families have Hebrew names. Quote, Now, whatever may be the historical value of the Welsh poems, it is undoubted that the Tailies, that T-A-L-I-E-S, that Tailies, in his Angar uh, Kiffinod, Kiffindod, <laughs> C-Y-F-Y-N-D-A-W-D, I have no idea how this is pronounced, says that his lore has been declared in Hebrew, Hebraic. Okay, so it's quite possible that these pronunciations are, you know, very much Hebrew, but it's also prophesied that the Israelites would have a new language, and that has become English, of course. On page 93 of his same work, License says, quote, Yet this we gather from the names attaching to the British monuments still remaining among us. When divested of modern corruptions, that there is a strong affinity between these British names and that language of which Hebrew is either the original or one of its earliest offshoots and that therefore Hebrew, Chaldee, or some other very near cognate must have been the language of the first inhabitants in this island, unquote, page 93, amen. That's why they're called, he- well, that's why Iberia, first name of Spain, meaning land of the Hebrews, and the same name was applied to parts of Britain, Iberia, <laughs> okay, because they were Hebrews. Let's continue. License then proceeds to show the similarity between many ancient British and Hebrew words and between the corrupted religion of the Palestinian Israelites and that of the ancient British people. License finally makes this startling statement, quote, We cannot avoid the conclusion that our British ancestors were devoted to that kind of worship which they brought with them from the East whence they came at a very early period even close upon the patriarchal times of Holy Writ, pages 93 and 94. And that's why they brought with them paganism. You know, and all these pagan uh, holidays like Samhain and Halloween, and etc., etc., because even the early Brits were paganized Hebrews. And one more sentence before I turn it over to you again. It has already been clearly pointed out that the early British ancestors said they came from Armenia, in the area of the Caucasus Mountains, and we know that many of them arrived in the British Isles centuries before the Messiah's birth. Amen. Back to you, Michael. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah. Welsh and Hebrew. <clears throat> Robert Owen also substantiated this view by the following statement. Quote, Most Welsh scholars have employed uh, their time on the production of uh, uh, grammars and dictionaries. The Hebrew learning of Dr. John Davis of uh, Malwid seems to have influ- influenced his countrymen to uh, ascend the uh, Puritan uh, atavism of uh, referring wells to the language of Moses as the fa- uh, fountain, end of quote. 
and that's the uh, the uh, uh, Kimri. Uh, Kimri, right? Front. Right. Kumru. Yeah. It's actually pronounced Kumru, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's very hard to well, uh, you know pronounce these words. Back to you. Yeah. So. Uh, for any who still might have any lingering doubts regarding the similarity between the Hebrew and the early British language, which were used by its ancient peoples, one need only uh, study the present-day Welsh languages. Uh, there are many strong similarities between modern Welsh and Hebrew. Even one who is unskilled in the science of languages cannot fail to detect a close similarity between the spoken Hebrew language when contrasted with modern Welsh. Many Welsh words are also uh, devoid of any vowels. Uh, whatsoever. Just okay. ancient Hebrew language. Ah, okay. That's and why I couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, a number of books have been written besides the ones mentioning uh, where which um, show uh, the close affinity between <coughs> the language as spoken by some of the early British people uh, and the Hebrew language. As an example of some modern Welsh names with few written vowels, here is part of the address of a friend of mine. The name is Fitchers, however, and Nathan Evans... <coughs> Uh, Tridin Valley, Landoget, uh, Landvrast. Bless you. <laughs> and, and big, big. Yeah, crime. like I said, they're very hard to pronounce. <laughs> All right. They are. Yes. Notice that the uh, angelized word have far more vowels written in them than do such words as uh, Landvrast. Yeah, oh la, well, yeah. okay, yeah, I'll, I'll spell it. L-L-A-N-R-W-S-T. There's only one vowel in there, right? So, but which was typical of ancient Hebrew. It had no vowels. Back to you. Yeah, they have retained uh, our traditions. Yes. We have all observed um, that it has been commonly thought that the British have descendants from Japheth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Here's proof that the British were descended from Shem and are therefore Semitic. Semitic. To quote, Alfred, king of the Anglo-Saxons, was born in the year of uh, our Lord Incarnation, 849. King Alfred was the son of uh, Jetta. Uh, the Jetta was the son of um, Harimond, the son of Sem. Um, church Historians of England, Arnolds of Exploits of Alfred the Great, Volume 11, page 443 to 44. Okay, now, yeah, and it bears uh, citing that when the Catholic Church took over Great Britain, all of this Chaldean heritage was suppressed by the Catholic Church because they saw the Chaldee Church, or the Church of the Hebrew Israelites, who settled in Britain to be a competition against the Catholic Church, and therefore they did everything they could to suppress it. Back to you. In fact, sorry, even some of the early church saints claimed by the Catholic Church were in fact uh, Celts and not and not Romans. Back to you. Uh, we have noticed that Alfred the Great, King of the Anglo-Saxons, were the sons of Sam. Uh, the same uh, quotation uh, continues as follows: Harimond. The son of Sam, 
the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, and the son of Methuselah, <laughs> the son of Enoch, the son of uh, Malalel, the son of Canaan, uh, the son of Enos, and the son of Seth, uh, the son of Adam. End of quote. So why would the Welsh records have the genealogy of Adam down down to King Alfred. Why would they have that if they weren't those people, right? Again, this information has been entirely suppressed. And even in Britain, the, uh, you know, the English, the, uh, the, the English people and the Kingdom of Great Britain has been trying to suppress the Welsh language forever, but it's making a comeback which is a good thing. Back to you. Uh, Alfred the Great, who was himself a Saxon, son of Isaac, traced his genealogy right back to Sam, or Shem, and on back to Adam. Yes. So, quote, so the Anglo-Saxons may well have recorded of the uh, ancestry of their kings, beginning with uh, 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 Skef, uh, and calling uh, Skef, <coughs> the son of Noah, born in the Ark, or even identify him with the patriarch Shem, uh, Hay, uh, the conquest of Britain by Saxons, <coughs> chapter three, page one hundred fifteen. Very good. That's a that's a book I've never heard of, the conquest of Britain by the Saxons. Yep. So, uh, Hay makes the great mistake that many others do. <laughs> many simple cannot believe the plan recorded of the ancient people who came to the British Isles. They just can't possibly believe that these peoples could really have been the sons of Shem. We shall notice uh, the same tendency uh, for critics of early Scotch-Irish history. They think the early history, which they call folklore, and these peoples cannot be true when it um, connects such peoples directly uh, with the land of the (coughs) people mentioned in the Bible. Sorry. Yeah. And we shall see in another article that the Scythians, who were the ancestors of the Anglo-Saxons, spoke a language that had a strong similarity with Hebrew. Should this fact amaze us, it should not cause any alarm, especially when one sees that these Scythian people came from the region of Caucasus Mountain not long after they were taken as captives for the January of the Assyrian king in 733 to 732. and 721 BC. Time does not permit us to give the innumerable similarities between the early British words and Hebrew, but consider the word British, have covenant man, and Britain, have covenant land. All of the early British language had many points in common with the Hebrew language. Amen, amen. And so, but even the Jews, when they refer to B'nai B'rith, B'nai B'rith for the Jews means sons of the covenant. But they're not the sons of the covenant. They, they've invented the Talmud. They don't believe in Torah. They practice Talmud. So, you know, they are total frauds. And, uh, but they have pulled the wool over the eyes of the whole planet. At the same time, you know, because the influence the Jews have in Britain to suppress Celtic history is incredible. Just as they have suppressed our history as Israel, over the decades, especially in the encyclopedias, etc. So who were the Sake? The Bible had prophesied, as we have already observed, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, a question for you, Michael. Are you aware 
if the Jewish people have called themselves by the name of Isaac? No, never. No, they have never done that because they're not Saxons. <laughs> they're not the, the children of Isaac, except for one, one person only, and that is Esau. But Esau married into the Canaanite race, and therefore, and he, of course, he despised his birthright. So he no longer counts. So he became a Canaanite, and those Canaanites became Edomites, and they, they became known as Jews. That's their origin. Let's continue. Have you ever known any people being called after Isaac? Yeah. Well, the Germans call themselves Saka, right? Saka, Saka, Saka. It might be well to point out here that the Persians spoke of all the people of Scythia as the Sake or Saka, because the Sake were a branch of the Scythian people who dwell nearest to them. Modern research confirms conclusively that the Sake were a very important branch of the people who were called by the name Scythians or Scythians. Now, Michael, you may recall, we did uh, two very uh, 90-minute shows about the descendants of Keturah. Okay? The descendants of Keturah were descendants of Abraham. They were white. Many of them went as far east as India. But the whole area of Mesopotamia was populated by these descendants of Abraham, including the Saxons, right? Yet the Jews claim that Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, is talks about them, even though the, there's no mention of the word Jew until 2 Kings 16, 6, right? The entire Torah had, does not contain the word Jew. Yet the Jews claim that Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is about them even though they're not even mentioned. Now, this is how they fabricate history and influence have influenced Christianity accordingly. So these Saxons are this, the sons of Isaac who had become paganized and did not practice the religion of the house of Judah. Only the house of Judah retained that religion. So let's continue. Okay, but nevertheless, they are branches of the Israel people. So it might well be, be well to point out here that the Persians spoke of all the people of Scythia as Sake or Saka. Before quoting from Sharon Turner, one of the most eminent authorities on the Anglo-Saxons, let us take a biographical, <coughs> excuse me, must be catching across, <coughs> across the ocean. Let us take a, okay, let me get a quick swig of water here. Let us take a biographical glance at this well-known historian, Turner, comma, Sharon, 1768-1847. English historian was born in Pentonville, London, on the 24th of September, 1768. He was educated at a private school kept by Dr. Davis in Pentonville and was articled to a solicitor in the temple in 1783, or must be attached. In early boyhood, he had been attracted by a translation of the, quote, Death Song of Ragnar Lodbrok, unquote, which sounds like a Viking document, right? And was led by this yeah. boy, yeah, and was led by this boyish interest to make a study of early English history in the Anglo-Saxon and Icelandic sources. 
he devoted all the time he could spare from his business to the study of Anglo-Saxon documents in the British Museum. The material was abundant and had hitherto been neglected. There you go. It's been neglected. It's been suppressed. When the first volume of the history of England from the earliest times to the Norman Conquest appeared in 1799, it was at once recognized as a work of equal novelty and value. The fourth volume appeared in 1805, quote, unquote, from the Encyclopedia Britannica, 11th edition, article on Turner, Sharon. Continuing, according to the French Dictionary of by LaRousse, Sharon Turner was, quote, an attorney by profession who spent his leisure time doing research relating to Anglo-Saxon and Irish scripts, unquote. Sounds a lot like Bertrand Cambaret, who was a lawyer by profession and a historian of Israel in his spare time. From LaRousse article, Sharon Turner. A very reliable historical account of the Anglo-Saxons by Sharon Turner gives a number of salient points regarding the Anglo-Saxons. It is so important that it is here given verbatim, quote, The Saxons were a Scythian tribe, and of the various Scythian nations which have been recorded, the Sacae, or Sacae, are the people from whom the descent of the Saxons may be inferred with the least violation of probability. Sacae Suna, or the sons of Sacae, abbreviated unto Saxun, S-A-K-S-U-N, which is the same sound as Saxon, seems a reasonable etymology of the word Saxon. So even though it's spelled Saxon, it should be pronounced Saxon. The Sakai, who in Latin are called Sake, were an important branch of the Scythian nation. They were so celebrated that the Persians called them the Scythians by oh, called the Scythians by the name of Sake. And Pliny, who mentions this, speaks of them as among the most distinguished people of Scythia. Pliny, uh, Library Six, C nineteen, Strabo places them eastward of the Caspian in the history of the Anglo-Saxons, volume 1, page 87, by, of course, Sharon Turner. Note that Turner shows the Sake were an important branch of the Scythian nation. They lived to the east of the Caspian Sea. According to Turner, these Scyths, or Sake, seized the most fertile part of Armenia. Also observe that this was the same general area, Armenia, to which Israel had been deported. Quote, This important fact of a part of Armenia having been named Sakasina is mentioned by Strabo in another place, Strabo, page 124, and seems to have a geographical loca- locality to our primeval ancestors and to account for the Persian words that occur in the Saxon language as they must have come into Armenia from the northern regions of Persia. Ibid, page 87. Turner says that our primeval Saxon ancestors went into Armenia from northern Persia. This again was the precise area of Israel's dispersion. The following quote from Turner is so significant that it must be given in toto, and we quote, that some of the divisions of this people were really called Sakasuna is obvious from Pliny, for he says that the Sakai who settled in Armenia, were named Sakasani, 
but which is but sakasuna, spelt by a person unacquainted with the meaning of the combined words. And the name Sakasina, which they gave to the part of Armenia they occupied, is nearly the same sound as Saxonia. It is also important to remark that Ptolemy mentions a Scythian people sprung from the Sakai by the name of Saxonis. If the Sakai who reached Armenia from the northern regions of Persia were called Sakasani, they may have traversed Europe with the same appellation. Of course we did. <laughs> now Persia is, you know, Persia went as far west as uh, bordering the Is- Israelites. The Persians were actually neighbors of the Israelites throughout most of our combined history. So that's not going very far, folks. Okay, they just went north because they were, who were they? They were the deported tribes of Israel, deported into these areas, of course, by the Assyrians. Okay, so the northern regions of Persia. So they may have traversed Europe with the same appellation, which being pronounced by the Romans from them and then reduced to writing from their pronunciation may have been spelt with the X instead of the KS and thus Saxons, S-A-X-O-N-S instead of S-A-K-S-O-N would not be a greater variation from the Sakasani or the Saxuna than we find between French, Francois, Franky, and their Greek name, Fragi. <laughs> P-H-R-A-G-G-I. Now, that's a great variation from, well, from Frank, Fragi, Frank. Somehow the N got in there. Or between Spain, España, and Hispania, page 88. Turner is undoubtedly correct in saying that the KS was changed to an X. These variations of the word sake or saka are not any greater, says Turner, than the variations of names of such modern nations as France and Spain, pages 87, 88, and 95. Okay, last paragraph of this article, Origin of the Saxons. Over to you, Maestro Michael. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Yeah. He then says that autonomy placed another uh, people, the uh, Sassanus, north of the Saka. Uh, these have been selected as our ancestor, uh, Sassasons, uh, Sakasons, Saxons. And that's from page 95. Sorry. Yeah, you have to sneeze. All <laughs> 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 right. Okay. It's cold. So, it's cold in Sweden. Uh, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, Turner then mentioned that some of these. Uh, Marinating Saka or Sache, Sana, were in all probability gradually propelled to the west coast of Europe, on which they were found by Plutonomy, and from which they made incursions into the Roman Empire in the 3rd century AD. A people known as the Saxoi lived on the Black Sea, according to Stephanus, and that is Stephanus de Urb at, um, at Pop, page 657. Um, we may, says Turner, consider this also as a nation of the same uh, uh, parentage. These Sakai uh, wandered far and wide from Asia uh, to the German Ocean. Um, he also pointed out the traditional descendants 
Odin. As uh, personified by Snorre in the Edda. Yeah, okay, uh, preserved, preserved by Snorre. Okay, uh, maybe uh, who is Snorre? Do you recall? Because uh, yeah, he's an Icelandic historian that okay. has written the first um, early history about Sweden. And uh-huh. he was, I think, he lived during the uh, one uh, mid. Uh, what do you say? One thousand one hundred. I think he was uh, slain in Iceland. Okay. Uh, what it said. So, but he was in right. both Norway and Iceland and yep. wrote this Edda, and he wrote a lot of uh, um, history, early history about the Nordic people. Right. So, given the fact that these Scythians who migrated into Europe were essentially illiterate and had no historical records, the fact that they retained the name Saxon throughout all this po- time, 2,700 years worth, folks, it's amazing that we retained our original name given to us by Yahweh in the Old Testament. Back to you, Michael. Yes, uh, and his history, which represents the Saxon and Scandinavian chieftains as having migrated from a city east of the Tanais called Asgard, located in a country called Asaland, meaning the city of the land of uh, Asai, or Asians, Snorre, Ynglingasagen, uh, um, yeah. See uh, two and five. Yeah, and modern yeah. modern neo pagans still call themselves the Acer, <laughs> right? From Asa land, which is essentially Assyria. Back to you. Yeah, and I would think think this was play. <laughs> this Asaland was placed in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan, yes, very good, yes. Um, thus, we see that Turner equated the uh, Saxa uh, with Odin and, and his people, the Asse uh, from Asgard, north of the Black Sea, the very area where we find many of the Israelite locations shortly after their exile. Amen. Um, and that, uh, page 88 and 89. But that of the most learned German seems most probable and worthy to be embraced, which makes the Saxons uh, descended from the uh, Sache, the most considerable people of Asia, and uh, to be so called, uh, Quashai uh, uh, Sakasons, uh, KD, sons of the Saxe, and have gradually overspread Europe uh, from Scythia or um, Sarmathia, uh, Asiatic, with the Jete, uh, uh, Suevi, Dasi, and other. Nor is in their opinion, ill-founded, uh, which brings the Saxons out of Asia, in which the human race had both its rise and increases, end of quote. Yeah. And that's from uh, Camden, Br- Britannia, Volume 1, page 151. Well, not the human race, just Adam kind. <laughs> right, right. So, the Gette, the word Gette is derived from Got, Gottish, Gottish, which is German for God, or godly, right? It's just a different vowel again. So gete is derived from goth, which is a, a, an old Saxon word, meaning we are the God's people. <laughs> That's what gete means, okay? Swavy, I'm not sure about the origin of the word swavy, but uh, that's my ancestry, the uh, Danube Swabians, who migrated from the Black Sea up the Danube River into Germany, where it, where the heart of Saxon land is, and Dazi 
that's probably a nickname for one of the other tribes, okay? I think you can trace the nicknames of all and sub-tribes to all of these Saxons that migrated into Europe. Back to you. Uh, Camden seems to completely agree with Turner in identifying such people as Saxons, uh, Sacha, uh, Sakasons, sons of the Saxe, uh, Saxi, okay, D, um, uh, Sassasons, um, Sakasena. Note that they came from the Scythians, he says, uh, that these people kept almost as near to one another in Europe as they had before in Asia. Quote, the Saxa who were Scythians had on uh, their head. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, uh, on the, the head cap. Yeah, the cone-shaped, uh, cone-shaped head cap. Yeah, yeah, uh, which came to a point and uh, stood erect. Uh, they were loose trousers and carried bows uh, peculiar to their country. These, though, they are uh, Amirgian Skitchens. They call Sache for the Persians call all the Skitchens Sache Herod uh, Plumia. Um, and that is seven, page 64. End of quote. For Herodotus' statement, we can see that the Saka were actually a Scythian tribe. Herodotus called the uh, Amergian Scythians. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, the Angli or Angles were merely a branch of the Saxons. The Anglo Saxons invaded England in the f- uh, 4th and 5th and 6th century AD. Encyclopedia Britannica, 11th edition, volume. Uh, 24 uh, are Saxons, uh, right. page 204 to 265. So, so all of this information exists, but it has been tremendously suppressed. It's buried in the basements of the British Museum, the Catholic archives in Rome, right? Etc., etc. It's interesting, this word, Amirgian sex, Scythians, almost sounds like American Scythians, right? Okay. So anybody who does any linguistic research realizes that words change pronunciation from one, you know, from one era to the next. And so that's why you have to look at their origins. It's really obvious, folks, that the word Isaac is the source word for all of these variations in pronunciation. And there's no doubt about it. We are the Saxons and the Jews are not. All right, please continue. Um, we shall later have occasions to refer to the Saxa or Saxons as we study the Scythians and other tribes in further articles. Here is a final quotation which clearly shows that Saxons is derived from sons of Saxe. Uh, Milton said the Saxons we are heathen and barbarous nation, famous for the robberies and cruelties done to all their neighborhoods, uh, both by land and sea. Quote, they, the Saxons, were a people, though, by good writers um, to be descendants of the Saxa, uh, a kind of Scythians in the north of Asia, thence called uh, Sakasons, or sons of Saka, who, with a flood of other northern nations, came into Europe toward the declining of the Roman Empire, end of quote. And that is History of England, 1835, uh, page 406 and 407. Notice how many different historians equate the Scythians with the Sacha, and also uh, note how many show that the uh, Saxons or Saxons were sons of Isaac, uh, sons of Isaac, 
Isaac. The Saxons are the sons of Isaac. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Genesis 25, 12. Um, it is a primary uh, thought that the Saxons, that uh, this prophecy has been and is still being fulfilled. Amen. All right, that's from Hope of Israel Ministries. Oh, now it's in California. Oh, P.O. Box 853, Azusa, California. I thought I always thought it was in Australia. They may have moved. So anyway, they have a website, www.hope-of-israel.org. And it's loaded with Christian identity uh, articles. Okay, and it's all always very well researched like this article was. I mean, he, he's brought up articles that hardly anybody ever refers to, right? That's why we lost uh, knowledge of our origin, Michael. That's, because, that's why. Because our history has been suppressed by you-know-who. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeez. right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have another article. Let's see. Uh, we're at 8.22 central time so uh it but no yeah that it's not racist mr smith for us to identify ourselves with isaac if the jews can identify themselves why is it racist for the jews to identify themselves with israel but it's racist for us to identify ourselves with israel that doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) right and, and now we have blacks trying to identify with Israel. It's not racist when they do it, is it? <laughs> no, but it's also against uh, whitey. Yeah. Right. Everybody can say they are proud of being Jews, being brown, being black, being whatever. But if you as a white say that you are proud, then you are racist. But isn't that the real word of the word racist, being proud of who you are? Right. Yeah, or just wanting to maintain your existence. You know, how, how many uh, monarchs or, let's say, uh, rulers of the Israeli state have stated over and over again that the state of Israel exists to preserve the Jewish people, right? If they have a right to preserve their people, why don't we have a right to preserve our people, period? You know, there shouldn't be any uh, you know bogus idea that we don't have the right to preserve our race. All right? But that's what's happening in the world today. Everybody is telling us the white people are evil and we don't have a right to preserve our race. Okay? This is genocide, folks. Number one, it's cultural genocide, which is part of the UN definition of the word genocide to erase people's culture. All right, so they're erasing our culture and they're erasing us through COVID. All right, so the next article here is the story of Celto-Saxon Israel. It's a book, and there's an additional book by Mr. Bennett, uh, by the late scholar W.H. Bennett, fellow Royal Geographic Society, and it's Christian Messianic and Jewish research into Israel's two houses. And there, in fact, are, there are Jews who admit that we Saxons are descendant of Isaac, <laughs> right? There are Jewish scholars who admit that. And he also wrote a book on the symbols of Celto-Saxon Israel, in which he documents all of the banners and emblems that we Israelites have had down through the centuries. The Jews have no such history. 
The Jews have not preserved any of these banners and symbols, but they have started copying ours in the last hundred years or so. That's because the Rothschilds had to invent a house of, what do you call it, a coat of arms. They had to invent a coat of arms because that's what true Israel does. So in order to impersonate us even more, they had to invent a coat of arms. But it's uh, it's five, the five sons of of the original uh, member, uh, the founder of the clan, okay, Mr. Rothschild himself. All right, synopsis. I'll take the first section um, here. Eli, before you start. Yes. Can you just mention that this book is the book, I have read this book, and this one is available on my on my channel. Oh, okay. Awakening. So you can you can find it on my channel. Okay, your, with nordicawakening.com? Uh, no, not that comment, at BitChute. You search for Nordic oh, Awakening BitChute. at BitChute, you will find me there. Okay, so Nordic Awakening at BitChute. Okay, thank you. All right, yeah, and this uh, this should be in every Israelite's and every Saxon's library. Synopsis. This is the story of a missing branch of God's chosen people, the Israelites. Ten tribes of the northern Hebrew kingdom of Ephraim were conquered, taken into captivity by the Assyrians in the 8th century B.C., and never heard from again. Jewish and Christian scholars have long speculated on their disappearance, and Christ in the New Testament alluded to their continuing existence. Where did they go? <laughs> Historian and scholar W.H. Bennett, a longtime fellow of the Royal Geographic Society, spent over 50 years following their trail. He examined leads, so he's very much like Sharon Turner. He examined leads such as language, heraldry, culture, and prophecy fulfillment, solving at last the mystery of their disappearance from the Middle East scene and their identification in the world today. This book traces scripture and historic evidence of the Israelites from the time of Abraham through their trials in Egypt, the wilderness, Canaan land, and finally culminating in their land-sea migrations westward over the centuries. In separate chapters, Mr. Bennett examines 12 early tribes who entered Europe from Asia, and Asia means Asia Minor, it's not meaning the Far East, showing that each of them had very distinctive Hebrew-Semitic cultural evidences. Over 175 maps, charts, and illustrations, as well as 12 valuable appendices, help tell the story of these lost Israelites. The information contained in this book is the key that will explain the fulfillment of the promises and covenants of the Bible in our world today. Nearly 250 pages, including 22 pages of comprehensive indexes. Second edition available in either hardcover or softcover. Price is $16. I don't know how old this is. It's probably not that cheap anymore. (laughs) Uh, U.S. $20 hardcover plus $5 for packaging, shipping. Orders may be addressed to Bible Blessings or purchased online at www.bibleblessings.net. And I'll click on that after I turn it over to you to see if the site still exists. Following is reprinted one of the representative book chapters, but without the many illustrations provided in the book itself. Over to you, Michael. 
Thank you. And I can say, though, that the author is misconcepting the, with the word Judah and Jew. So he right. thinks Judah are Jews. So that's a bit of a... Right, exactly. Okay. So then I will start at excerpt, the Saxons. So following the arrival of the Cymri about 400 AD, no important migrations to Britain took place for about 800 years. During the latter part of this period, the Romans invaded and occupied part of the country, but this was a military occupation only. Few Romans settled in Britain, and all of the military forces were withdrawn about AD 410. The next permanent settlers uh, to come to Britain were the Saxons, who began to arrive from northwestern Germany and uh, southern Denmark about the year 450. They were divided into a number of uh, tribes, one of which uh, the Angels uh, gave us the names England and English. The Saxon invasion of Britain was bitterly resisted uh, by the Britons. Uh, this struggle lasted for nearly two centuries, but as more of uh, more and more Saxons arrived, they gradually drove most of the Britons into the northern and western part of the country and into the uh, Brittany area of northwestern France. Okay, now this is very interesting because obviously both groups of people are the same race. They're both Adamites and they're both Saxons. And they're both Israelites, okay? The Britons and the Anglo-Saxons. The difference is that the Brythonic people, the uh, you know the Iberians that uh, escaped from the captivity of Egypt by sea before the Exodus, the sons of Zerah Judah migrated across the Mediterranean Sea, settled Rome, settled the Peloponnesus, settled Spain, settled Britain, settled Ireland and Iceland, and they spoke Hebrew. (laughs) That's why the Hebrew language is preserved in the Welsh, okay? But the Anglo-Saxons migrating overland much later, this would be, you know, 1700 B.C. for the Zarajuda, migrating into Europe. Uh, So a thousand years later, the overland migration of the Saxons began, and ultimately these these two peoples merged together again because they they were together in Egypt in 1700 B.C. They merged together again after a few squabbles and became known as the British Empire, England. Okay, back to you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So, as we have previously established, this right identity of the ancient Britons, the questions now arise, were these newcomers also Israelites? Um, in considering this question, the first point to note is that the Saxons who came into uh, Britain from Germany and Denmark were not native of these regions. The Saxons had previously migrated to Western Europe from their former home east of the Black Sea. Historians, both ancient and modern, state that they were descendants of, um, from the Saka, a people who came into Eastern Europe from Media shortly after 700 BC. This is certainly important, for that date um, is during the same period in which the Israelites were taken captive to Media. Uh, we know that uh, within a few years of being taken uh, they uh, there, they um, regained their freedom and migrated uh, northwestward into Europe. Thus, we see that 
Israel's uh, grave was the Saxons' birthplace, for the Saxons first appear in history coming into Eastern Europe from media shortly after uh, 700 BC. And the Israelites disappeared shortly after 700 BC, while also migrating into Eastern Europe and media. Two such large migrations at the same time and place are hardly likely. It seems obvious that they were identical and the Saxons were Israelites under a new name. <coughs> Leading walls uh, were often dropped in Semitic languages. As an example, the city of Istanbul is also known as um, uh, Stambul. Uh, historian Paul uh, Mac, uh, Kendrick wrote in the Iberian Stones um, speak, page 26, that the city of uh, Lisbon uh, on the Iberian Spanish Peninsula was originally known as uh, uh, Olisipo, and the leading walls were, was dropped uh, over time. Uh, conversely, at the ends uh, of words, Semitic speech frequently added an uh, alep, uh, letter A, um, uh, to words which um, in Hebrew terminated with a con consonant, end of quote. Sir William uh, Drummond, uh, Origins, page 52. As a result, the name Isaac became Saka, Saka or Sake. Okay, uh, uh, hold, on, hold on one second. It's interesting that Spanish, which is an offshoot of our ancient Hebrew language, virtually every word in Spanish ends with a vowel, right? So this tradition of placing vowels at, at the end of set, or at the end of words is very common among our people. Uh, it's also common in Italian. It's common in uh, not so much French, but yeah, Italian. The, what the uh, yeah Italian and Spanish primarily, uh, ending a lot of words with a vowel. The Germans never did that, and uh, neither do the English. So we have very very few. Uh, words that you know, in, in Spanish, every other word ends in a vowel, right? Like taco, <laughs> uh, uh, taco, burrito, you name it. They have uh, virtually every word in Spanish ends with a vowel. And uh, But English and German, no. And that, that's true, I think, of most of the Saxon languages. The uh, So certain groups of our people uh, have this habit of ad adding vowels to the end of words. Back to you. Yeah, but isn't also Spanish an offshoot from Latin? I think so, yeah. Well, Latin Latin, and Italian obviously come. And you see that, uh, uh, like, Rome is pronounced Roma in in Latin, right? Caesar, uh, say, Kaiser, yeah, yeah. There's a tendency to add vowels at the end of words in Latin for sure. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, so the greatest of Saxon historians, Sharon Turner, in history of the Anglo-Saxons, um, uh, traced the, the word um, Saxon to the words uh, Saka Suna, meaning the sons of uh, Sache, saying, Roman geographer uh, Ptolemy mentions that Scythian people sprung from the Sakai by the name of Saxons, Sakai Suna, or the sons of Sakai. Uh, abbreviated into Saxon, uh, which is the same sound as Saxon, seems a reasonable etymology of the word Saxon. And the quote, uh, one of the greatest of uh, literary scholars, John Milton, in the history of um, Britain, also tried uh, the origins of the Anglo-Saxons with the Saka and the Mid-East in the, these words. Quote, 
they were a people, though, by uh, good writers to be um, descended from the Scythians or Saka, afterward uh, called Saxons, uh, who, with the with a flood or other nations came into Europe about the time of the decline of the Roman Empire, end of quote. Right, okay, so, and of course the Anglo-Saxons had numerous wars, uh, otherwise known as the Germans, right? The Germans were nothing other than Saxons, folks. And, uh, in fact, the uh, Romans coined the term German, uh, Germania, to mean, the meaning of the word Germania means uh, official or, uh, what's, the, what's the best uh, way of putting this? Authentic. Authentic Saxons. They're the authentic Saxons is what the word German actually means. That term was coined by the Romans. Now, whether or not other people were trying to impersonate us in those days, but, uh, you know, they had different names for the different tribes, because there were so many, all 12 tribes continued to exist and continued to migrate. So very, very few people, uh, historians, put this all together and concluded that, well, all these different tribes are actually the same people known as Saxons who lost their identity as Israel but retained the name of Saxon. Back to you. Thank you. So, the name Saxon therefore means sons of Isaac. Such a name for Israel was prophesied in Genesis 21.12. As God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the land and because of thy bondwoman in all that Sarah hath said unto thee. Hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. End of quote. In Amos 7.18, written about the time of the captivity of Israel, Abraham's descendants are called the house of Isaac. And compare Romans 9.7 and Hebrew 11.18. This right uh, received uh, that name because of their descendants from Jacob Israel. But they were later called by the name of Jacob, Jacob's father, Isaac, rather than being known as the Israel people. They were uh, to be known as the Isaac or Saka people. This is what the word Saka means. The Saka people, as the word Saxon, is merely um, an English form of Sache. Uh, it follows uh, that uh, their names itself, we have proof of the Israelite identity uh, of the Saxons. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. You want we to continue? Have, okay, yeah, go ahead. I can read this one, then you can take it. Yeah, and then I'll, read, yeah, I'll finish it off. Then. Yeah, okay, back to you. Yeah. yeah. We also have conclusive evidence offered by historians of the Persian Empire. The Encyclopedia of Religious provides evidence from ancient Persia sources that the Saxon tribe originated in Media Persia. In the same place of the lost tribe of Israel, dispersed from history, they state, quote, the Masadin, um, author of the Sam scripture called um, Vendid, uh, perhaps uh, before 500 BC, speaks of the Aryan home as being on the good river uh, uh, Dathu, which is traditional, the Arax following from near Ant Arat, eastward to the Caspian, end of quote. Uh-huh. In, okay. Uh, uh, interesting enough, the Bible Apocrypha in Second Estras 13, 14, 46 says that the lost tribe of Israel crossed the, the Arexes, um, traveling northward. So the um, dispersed house of Israel and the Saxons both traversed the identical route 
into Europe at the very same time in history. Uh, uh, to be more precise, they stated out uh, no, no, started, on their journey. They, they started out. Uh, started out on their journey as Saka Sunna or sons of Saka and ended up in Europe as Saxons. End of, I think that's, no, no, continue. Yes. The Encyclopedia of Religion uh, continues saying, this indicates um, descending through the Caucasus. If traditions that the Daita rivers is the access to be reliable, these areas would be meats. Uh, this encyclopedia reasons that since the Saxons originated in Media Persia, they must be Media Persians in disguise. But this conclusion is not sound. The Persians record a military battle with the Saka, indicating that uh, they were not the same people. It never occupied uh, to the encyclopedia author that the Saxons could be separated people sent as captives into Media, the lost house of Israel. Amen. All right, all you have to do is compare biblical history with secular history to come to these obviously correct conclusions of Sharon Turner and Mr. Bennett. Okay, let's continue here. Historian Sharon Turner verified the Medo-Persian connection, saying, quote, This important fact of a part of Armenia having been named Sakasina is mentioned by ancient Roman historian Strabo in another place and seems to give a geographical locality to our primeval ancestors and to account for the Persian words that occur in the Saxon language. Anybody who knows German knows that German has a lot of Persian words in it, right? A lot of Persian words, as they must have come into Armenia from the northern regions of Persia, unquote. History of the Anglo-Saxons. The early Saxon language included hundreds of Medo-Persian words, indicating that the ancestors of the Saxons had resided in Medo-Persia for some time before migrating through the Caucasus Mountains into Europe. Now, this, is, of course, is not true of the Brythonic Celts who migrated by sea from ancient Egypt. They did not pick up any Persian words, okay? And they retained a lot more Hebrew. But even so, there's a lot of Hebrew in German, in the German, and there's a lot of Hebrew in English. Okay? That's also true. And, and uh, why should there be Hebrew retained in all three of these languages? Celtic, English, and German. That's because we are Hebrews. That's why. All right, let's continue. All right, the early Saxon language included hundreds of Medo-Persian words in, in indicating that the ancestors of the Saxons had resided in Medo-Persia for some time before migrating through the Caucasus Mountains into Europe. And also, the burial mounds, the burial mounds that dot the north of the Caucasus uh, have all kinds of Hebrew uh, well, they're they're in Hebrew. I mean, the inscriptions on those burial mounds are in Hebrew, and they also include things like circumcision knives, right? And there was no pork eaten by these people yet, right? That they started eating pork when they migrated into Germany and probably were di dying of starvation, and uh, that's when they started eating pork, right? But the evidence of the the those people who crossed the Caucasus Mountains is they did not, did not eat pork and they practiced circumcision. 
okay, as Israelites would have done, okay. Sharon Turner gives yet additional proof that the modern Anglo-Saxon peoples are descended from the ancient Saka, whom we identified as the lost tribes of the House of Isaac. He says, quote, These marauding Sakai or Sakasani were gradually propelled to the western coasts of Europe. There was a people called Saxoi on the Euxine Sea, according to Stephanus, the early 6th century historian, Byzantia. So we have Byzantine evidence as well. Thank you very much. These writers refer to the Israelites in Medea as Saka, Sakai, or Saxoi. Since ancient, oh, yes, yeah, since ancient writers declare that the Saxons of Europe were descended from the Sakai who came to Europe from Medea, and as a language study identifies the Sakai as the house of Isaac, we have a positive chain of evidence proving the Israelitish identity of the Saxons. For additional information on the origin of the Saxons, see Appendix 6 for a selection of from historians Sharon Turner's History of the Anglo-Saxons and Appendix 3 containing the text of ancient Persian Behistun Rock, which refers to the Sake at the time of Israel's dispersion. All right, very good. All right, so uh, we see here in the left-hand column of this document all kinds of scriptural quotations and which refer to our migrations. Okay, so uh, why don't we take three or four? Let's take four uh, at a time. I'll take the first four, and then you take the next four, Michael. And the scriptures and scholars say, quote, 1 Kings 14.15, God shall scatter Israel beyond the river, not all in one place. Uh, not to that one place called Israel, folks. <laughs> the Jews claim to be the only descendants of the Israelites. And by the way, they were never a great multitude of people, and they never had a nation, let alone a company of nations that Israel was prophesied to have. So the Jews cannot possibly be Israel. Second quotation, Second Kings 10.32 in those days, Yahweh began to cut off parts of Israel before their final complete exile. That's why in the New Testament, when it says lost tribes of Israel, it should be translated as the exiled tribes of Israel. Second Kings 17.6, the Assyrian king captured Samaria and exiled Israel, unquote. Deuteronomy 29.28, quote, cast them into another land as it is this day. Over to you, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. So, Deuteronomy 29-28. Cast them into another land as it is this day. Uh, Isaiah 5-26. The end of the earth. And Isaiah 11 11 on to 12, the four corners of the earth. Okay, well, if Australia is the ends of the earth, I don't know what is. <laughs> or South Africa, for that matter, right? New Zealand, even California, all right? Yeah, and, and, and many of our people even went east, uh, parts east. Actually, uh, Japan is actually named after Japheth because the Japhethites migrated that far east, 
Okay, so we almost went uh, met our Jaf- Japhetic brothers in Japan <laughs> had we continued to migrate further west from America. Back to you. Yes, so here we have Isaiah twenty-seven thirteen, uh, Vulgate, those name, nay, those lost from the land of Assyria. Uh, and Isaiah forty-nine nine, say to the uh, prisoners, go forth uh, to them that are in darkness, show yourself, and address to the lost ten tribe according to. Uh, and this must be Judahite uh, Midrash, um, and that uh, Petsky Rabiti uh, thirty-one ten. I don't know what that was, but no, that uh, sounds like well, it's a, yeah, the Jewish Midrash. It's a Jewish source, uh, and oh. there's al- there's also a Jewish source that says, oh. okay, that um, that if the Bible is to believe, be believed. Then, uh, because it says that all 12 tribes scattered, not just Jews, not just Judahites, but all 12 tribes will be scattered abroad. And that uh, Jewish article say, states that, well, then the other 11 tribes must still exist somewhere, <laughs> right? They can't be totally lost. Uh, otherwise, the Bible prophecies would be false, right? And that is a correct yeah. observation, Right, there are, yeah. some, there are some Jewish observations that are exa- actually true. Back to you. Uh, okay, wait a minute. You just uh, you just did four. Okay, let me pick up the next four. Yeah, and then I should have corrected. It was Jewish source. It was not the Judite. That was wrong on me. Right, right. Yeah, this is the Jewish midrash. Yeah, amen. And, okay, so Isaiah forty nine twenty one. The ten tribes. Where had they been? And uh, actually, Second uh, Samuel seven ten should also be quoted, but we're getting close to running out of time. I'll, I'll pick that uh, prophecy up if we uh, if we still have time. Uh, Jeremiah fifteen four. I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth, and that's what we have been doing for all of this time for twenty seven hundred years, folks. Hosea 2.14, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, not a return to Canaan. Thank you. Hosea 8.8, Israel is swallowed up now among the nations. Of course, we became those nations. Back to you. Hosea 9.17. Yes, thank you. So, Hosea 9.17, wanders among the nations. Um, Ezra 1.15, only Judah and Benjamin returned, uh, remaining ten tribes did not return. No, they were dispersion. They were away. That's right. Already. Yes. Okay. Israel and Judah developed more or less independent of, of the other. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And only gradually did circumstances bring them together. And then came the in inevitable clash of interests, religious as well uh, as political, and that is uh, Hebrew origins, and that is from uh, Theopoline uh, James Meek, 1936, page 76. Uh, okay. Israel as a kingdom was never restored from Assyria or as Judah was from Babylonia. 
after 70 years. Uh, Jamison, uh, Fonsetti, Brown, commentary, page 650. Okay, so, I mean, we're getting all of these references to the migrations of the exiled tribes. I mean, you, you can see here from just the two references we have brought forth today. So many encyclopedia articles, so many books written about the migrations of the 12 tribes. Why isn't this more commonly known? Who has been suppressing our history? <laughs> right? Okay. And then they made, uh, made history so boring in schools. So people, the young yeah, people oh. are not even interested. They don't care. Yeah. Everything is important. They Talk don't of- just care. Just have fun. It doesn't matter. And then today, you know, intellectuals are shun upon almost. They're what? (laughs) Shun upon. It's not something that is taken so positive. Oh, right. Then it was very positive to do that. Now, today, it's almost a weakness. History is boring because it's all lies, right? Yeah, it's all like the history of the Civil War. It's nothing but battles and dates, Right. The really good stuff, namely the, the fact that the Rothschilds instigated the Civil War, is never talked about anywhere, except here at Eurofolk Radio, of course. All right. So let's. we got a few more quotes here with about five minutes left. There never was a real return from the exile, although some individuals doubtless returned. The captivity of Israel did not actually terminate at 538 B.C., nor, in fact, ever. A uh, quote from George Ricker Berry, Colgate Rochester Divinity School, quote, was Ezekiel in the exile, unquote, pages 8992, Journal of Biblical Literature, for, uh, number 49, Next, many of the towns in southern Judah and Simeon were not reoccupied after the exile. This process was quite as disastrous as it is portrayed in the Old Testament, unquote. Thomas Davis, quote, Shifting Sands, unquote, Oxford University Press, 2004. And finally here, uh, actually that's only two, that the Redeemer comes from Zion, Isaiah 59.20, for Israel implies that Israel is in in exile, unquote. G.K. Beale and D.A. Carson, in the Commentary on the New Testament Use of the Old Testament, Baker Academic, page two, oh, 2007, page 674. And one more for here, for me rather. The exile into all lands among all nations was as irrevocably decreed as was the destruction of the city, unquote. Charles C. Torrey, Yale University, Journal of Biblical Literature, uh, number 56, 1937, page 206. Okay, so why? Why is it that Nary, a Christian today, knows any of this, folks? Why is it that the average Judeo-Christian today knows nothing of these migrations? Back to you, Michael. They'd rather be kissed with a lie than yeah. slapped with the truth. Yes, um, the returnees came only from the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. The exiles in Babylon, the ten tribes did not return. The loss of the, uh, this, uh, of the ten tribes marked the greatest demographic um, uh, defeat inscribed in Jewish memory. I don't know if that's Jewish. Yeah, right, yeah, Judahite. Uh, yeah. Judahite. Israelite, actually. 
but yeah, they're not Jewish yeah. for sure. In Judite memory since biblical times, and this is Svi Bandor Benite. Uh, the the ten lost tribes. A world history. Oxford University Press, two two thousand nine. Pretty recently, anyway. Yeah. Was that maybe a Jewish uh, writer? Maybe right. It sounds a bit. Yeah, there's an occasional strange. Jew who tells the truth inadvertently. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so eventually, it was token return. Frank Moore, Cross, Harvard University. A Reconstruction of the Judean uh, Restorations, Journal of Biblical Literature 94, 1975, page 15. So, the tree of Israel, grown from one root with various branches, was cut into pieces. John Calvin, uh, cited in Boer, John Calvin, page uh, 109, 191. But he was a Jew, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It cites Bohr. Is there a magazine by that name or a book by that name? I'm not familiar with that. Okay, I think we could do one more. We're just about out of time. So, the ten tribes which had previously been carried away, uh, being scattered among the Parthians, Medes, Indians, and Ephipanians, um, never returned to the native country and uh, are in this day held under the sway of ba uh, barbarous nations. Uh, Sleptitius um, Severia, and that is, uh, sounds like a Roman one. Yes, um, it is. Yes, Severus, yes. Serica um, 361 20 AD. Um, Severius um, Sacred History. And that's get, get book second chapter uh, to something in Schaff at all. Translated um, Sluftius Servius. Okay. So it's interesting that even the Romans understood that the Israelites of the, the ten northern tribes never returned. Isn't that interesting? Okay. All right, folks. That's our show for today. The, the key to knowledge is knowing who you are. And where you should be going. Praise Yahweh. We passed the ammunition. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye, everybody. Goodbye for now.